This episode of the podcast is brought to you by strategically staying in somebody's blind spot while driving on the highway, and when they try to change lanes, smash into them and convince the police that it was their fault. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits, the podcast, the only podcast that has 17 camera angles. On I'm them Frank. at once. <laughs> I'm Zach. And today we are doing something that honestly, I was shocked about how much I learned right? doing education, do, like doing research on mm-hmm. this. Um, and today, so basically what we're doing is we're going to talk about some of our favorite camera movements in scenes in film. Mm-hmm. And yeah, again, before we like get into just the, our shot list, I was so impressed and so happy. This is by far one of my favorite topics that we've done because I learned so much. Mm-hmm. I guess subconsciously, I've always known this, mm-hmm. but doing the research, it really put it into the forefront for me of how certain camera movements convey emotion yeah. and convey what the character can be thinking or what, they, what they're doing and just how much emotion and feeling can can come from just a simple camera movement Mm -hmm. and i was so impressed by that and i was really really happy about that because i was like wow this isn't something that i ever really thought about very at least not that i thought about often Mm -hmm. um so that being said i have a i have a little bit more than you so maybe i should start first yeah i Um, mean i can i can combine some because i have i have similar like like uh, similar shots that are just in different films, like mm-hmm. the same exact t- style of shot. It's just in a different movie. Um, so I'll combine a few. Um, but that all being said, let's get into it. So my first shot is the tracking shot, which is basically when you're following a character. Usually it's from like behind. So a character is walking and then the camera is just walking with them, following them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite ones is has to be hands down and it always stuck out to me from the second I saw it and even rewatching the film today it's my favorite shot in the movie is the tracking shot in Reservoir Dogs with uh, Mr. Blonde going outside to the trunk of his car when he has the police officer uh, you know yes. tied to the chair mm-hmm. and he goes out to the car and he gets like the gasoline and whatnot. that shot to me it feels so different than everything else in the movie because the, the rest of the movie is filmed like a proper film while the tracking shot to me felt like a little bit more erratic and just kind of random. Mm-hmm. And following Mr. Blonde going out to the to that uh, trunk of the car, it builds so much tension. Because you're like, what is he going to grab? Exactly. Because you're walking out and then, you you know, the, the warehouse sounds eventually fade out because Which he closes the door and then you're just too. out and then you're just outside and then you hear like sirens going off and you literally hear like children playing and things like that and he goes out to the trunk of his car and he and he's so casual mm-hmm. about it and he opens the trunk and he pulls out the gasoline and you're like oh no this is about to get really yeah. <laughs> bad and then you follow him back in mm-hmm. and it's all one continuous take and i absolutely love it it yeah. is one of the most beautifully uh sadistic shots <laughs> it really builds a lot of tension and i think it does a really 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 good job of that and that's why it's one of my favorite movies ever made yeah um i have one more that i want okay. to combine with okay. it and that is the same same exact shot a tracking shot in three billboards outside Ebbing, missouri when uh you follow 
Sam Elliott's character. Mm-hmm. I think no, not Sam, Sam Rockwell. Sam, yeah, Sam Rockwell's character. Well, uh, going I think about him a lot. Going up the stairs after uh, what's his name died. Mm-hmm. He killed himself. He goes up the stairs and he goes and he fucking you know throws what's his name out the window and whatnot. Again, so smartly executed because there, I rewatched the shot mm-hmm. and there's a there's a part in where he's walking up the stairs and he pulls out his pistol and he has it primed to shoot it and then he literally right before he gets to the top of the stair he flips the uh the what do you call it the um the hammer mm-hmm. he flips it back and decides not to shoot and i was like wow that's a really it's a small detail that is shown in this tracking shot that you that obviously i didn't see until i rewatched the scene mm-hmm. uh and i mean again it's just like a really standout scene i mean it's one of the most intense scenes in the whole film and i really just like what tracking shots do the screenplay that i wrote has a bunch of them unknowingly (laughs) like you didn't even realize i I mean i realized i mean i knew that like what they were but again i i I learned just what all of these camera movements were and that tracking shot it's like yeah that's supposed to convey like you know emotion and you're following somebody it's building tension you don't know what's about to happen and it's like that's pretty much the entirety of what my first screenplay is Mm -hmm. so having those tracking shots and knowing that i actually did that like on like unknowing or not knowing exactly what the mo- emotion is supposed to convey with that tracking shot shows that you watch a lot of movies shows that I watch a lot of movies. Yeah. And it shows that I sort of know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, those two, f- those two for my tracking shots and watch out the films coming out next year. Hopefully that'd be cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, like you said, I learned a lot about just different camera movements altogether. Um, I learned that there are like in, in a sense, six different types of track or uh, six different types of shots that you can use for camera. Um, one that I felt really kind of like it, it, it works really well with like psychological stuff is the tilt. Mm. Um, and one of my favorite shots in that is Christopher Nolan's the dark Knight at the very end. Once Batman catches Joker and like hangs him upside down Yeah, and he goes through like this monologue where it's like, no, we're destined to do this forever. Like, you know, you complete me. You're the yin to my yang. And you you see, like, how Batman is just so, like, he knows that he's insane. <laughs> but and, he knows that he has the upper hand and he's right. Yes. <laughs> but as, like, the Joker is starting to finish, the camera tilts upside down. To well, it's be, rotating. Well, yes. Yeah. So it, it tilts completely um, full rotation where it now looks as if the Joker is just facing forward, like, right side up. Yeah. And it's this weird, subtle little thing where as he's continuing the monologue, it makes you see almost subconsciously from his point of view of how he thinks that the world works. Yeah. And it's just this little subtle thing that really got me with it where it's like, again, I've talked about it, where if you understand the villain and you can almost agree with how he thinks, then he's a great villain. And this was a moment where I agreed with how the Joker thinks. Yeah. And it was unknowingly because of the tilt upside down where you see from his point of view. Yeah, yeah. I made Gotham's White Knight. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good good Mm -hmm. scene. Everything about the Joker is so great. Yeah. Um, Okay, so next I wanted to talk about the whip pan shot. What a name. Mm. (laughs) Uh, So basically that is when the camera 
is basically kind of like going back and forth. Mm -hmm. So the one that stuck out to me the most is, and again, the whip pan shot I thought in this had actual emotion and it actually had like, it added value in a way that you're like, okay, wow, you understand who these characters are. And this camera movement is, is another part of their relationship. And I am talking about uh, whip in whiplash, Mm. the, the constant going back and forth in where Miles is doing his crazy, crazy. This is like the final yes. scene when he's doing Whiplash, and Fletcher is standing there, and he basically realizes that he's become one of the his his prodigy, basically, mm-hmm. and he. But what has it cost him? Well, yeah, but like the 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 uh, the panning back and forth between him playing the drums and then it pans back to Fletcher and and he's like embracing him finally and he's like finally saying like yes and then and then he, you know he's like gives him like the hand motion and then it goes back and forth and that and that constant back and forth of that camera movement is basically that back and forth between the two characters and that given that take from them i thought it's a beautiful shot yeah and and it does so well with uh just how that entire scene is filmed because it's so fast paced and and those whip pan shots are like really really fast well that's why like it just works so well with like jazz themed movies right um because jazz is so chaotic you have that whip pan back and forth where it's like you just you don't know where you're gonna end up next yeah uh and then the other whip pan that i really really enjoy a lot and in 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 my opinion, it's probably one of the most iconic scenes in film history is Jack Nicholson cutting down the door in The Shining. Yes. So I watched the scene and I was like, yep, it's great. And it, it only happens mm-hmm. maybe two or three times. And I've saw the behind the scenes and you watch the cameraman fucking throw that yes. camera. <laughs> it is so good to watch the camera basically almost feel like it's connected to the axe. Mm-hmm. And when he when he winds it back, the camera goes back. And then when he slams it onto the door, the camera just slams and then stops immediately. And that erratic back and forth and that breaking down the door, it builds so much tension. I think it adds to it, too, with the fact of, like, how many times Kubrick made them do that scene. Where, like, well, you can that, see... That's the entire movie. Well, yes. But, like, <laughs> you can just see how Jack Nicholson is getting, like, so frustrated. And, yeah, to have those whips back and forth, yeah. you see the full anger of it. Yeah, I love it. It's so good. Uh, it and, and, again, I think that the camera movement really accents what's going on in the film. Mm-hmm. I have two whip pan uh, for my picks. I'll just do one for right now. But um, kind of the same thing as Whiplash... I didn't love this movie, but I loved like a lot of the cinematography that went along with this film. Um, in La La Land, there's a specific scene. Oh, you know what's funny? I was mm. gonna bring La La Land into it, but I decided not to. Mm. Um, I think if if you were gonna bring it up, it, I think it is the scene where you have Emma Stone's character like dancing, dancing and then yeah. it whips back and forth to yeah. um, what's his face that I hate? Ryan Gosling. Yeah, thank you, Ryan Gosling's character like playing the piano. And just whipping back and forth of like him doing different styles of the piano and doing different styles for the jazz. And then Emma Stone switching up her dance. Yeah. It was this nice scene like where, because this was at the point where it's like their relationship was really starting to bloom. And you can see that through the movements of them just playing off each other. Mm. And the whip pan back and forth to showing like Ryan Gosling playing the piano and then switching back to Emma Stone. It was just really cool where... Again, it feels so chaotic jazz 
yeah. because it's just going back and forth. You don't know where you're going to go next or who you're going to see. Yeah. Again, I, I think that that whip pan really accents the, the give and the take. Mm-hmm. Right. And Ryan Gosling playing that piano and then it's, sh- and then it's shooting over to Emma Stone dancing. There's, there is that give and that take with them in every scene. It's, it is, it's a great Damien. That's, that's two Damien Chazelle films. <laughs> there you go, Damien. Give us something out yeah. of this. <laughs> Uh, okay, so this one, my next one, isn't technically a movie. It's actually a television show, but mm-hmm. I was so blown away by it that I wanted to mention it. And I don't know if you, I don't think you've ever watched it. Um, so this is the camera roll. So this is kind of what you were explaining with the Joker, where the it's camera old. is, you know, is in a stationary position and and it starts rotating upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one that I wanted to mention was. In season one of Euphoria, so mm. I don't know if you've ever seen Euphoria with Zendaya, right? Yeah, Zendaya. She there's a scene. In, is that show good? Sorry to cut it's, you off. It is. Way. It is good. I I'm looking forward to season two. Uh, there's a lot of nudity in it. Like it gets to the point where you're just like, all right, like now, <laughs> I, I feel like you're just showing dicks just to show dicks. Mm-hmm. Like, can we not? Well, that's what they're known for <laughs> at this point, then. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. I wouldn't be surprised if the opening shot of season two is just someone's <laughs> penis. <laughs> so it's like Game of Thrones. I don't know. I've never seen Game of Thrones. There's a lot of dick and a lot of boob in there. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, Zendaya's character is called Rue and Rue is at a house party and she goes into the bathroom of this house party and she does drugs mm-hmm. and she leaves the, uh, the bathroom and as she starts leaving the bathroom, some, two things happen and it's brilliant. The hallway literally starts rotating. Mm. And then with the hallway rotating, the camera starts rotating. And they're not going at the same speed, so it's very, very disorientating. You know, so there's literally a point in which Zendaya is walking on the floor, and then she just steps onto the wall. And then she's standing on the wall, and she looks like she's standing horizontally. And and everybody, there's people in the hallway, and they're all just still... They're literally bolted to the ground so they don't they don't fucking fall. And the and the camera starts rotating with her. And I thought it did such a good job of showing you the disorientation of a drug user's mind. Uh, and then ironically, somehow this camera roll in my next film shows you somebody coming back into clarity. Mm-hmm. So that's how powerful these fucking camera movements can be and how and how different they can be and how how if they're used in certain ways they can mean completely different things and that is Saint Maud when uh she ends up kind of regressing away from religion and she goes out for the night and she goes to the bar and then she goes to that beach and that shot is upside down right and then she starts walking she does what she does and then she says no 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 I'm going back I'm going to follow God and then you have that slow back you know it starts tilting back straight forward while she's walking down the alleyway back to her apartment complex and that like kind of signifying hey she was upside down she was lost and now she's adjusting and she's coming back Mm -hmm. brilliant filmmaking really really is i love it i was like every now and again i i forget about saint maude and then i just remember how good the film is It's so good Mm -hmm. (laughs) i really like it um so my next one Again, I said another whip pan one. A movie that I'm really surprised that we haven't done yet because you love Arnofsky, but... I do. Black Swan. I thought we did Black Swan. Mm-mm. No? No, we never did I just Black showed Swan. it to my girlfriend. Yeah, there's there's the one scene that 
I think at this point is pretty infamous in the film. Um, and that's when Natalie Portman's character is spinning around. Yeah. And the way that he has like this kind of like handlebar almost to the camera and spins it 360 yeah. and catches it. Yeah. And it it creates this really cool effect where Natalie Portman doesn't even really need to spin. It just makes it look like she is. Right. And then adding that into the scene where it's like it's cutting between like spinning, landing on her exhausted, trying to figure out the motions and then spinning back. And then I think it's like her mother telling her that she's not doing this good mm-hmm. um, and then spinning back and then telling like the the instructor that like she she's never going to get it. She doesn't know what she's doing and then spinning back to her. Yeah. And it's this great scene where it's like it's adding so much tension and so much like anxiety to her character just from spinning around and just using this motion of just literally turning the camera around yeah, at like a high velocity. Yeah. Exactly. And it's it's one of those scenes that like it's smart. It's very smart on how he did this. Yeah. Because um, he could have honestly had it where she's just spinning around and then cut. Right. But he had a vision to it where it's like, let me actually move the camera completely. Yeah. I love me some good direction. Mm-hmm. All right. So my next one is one of my favorite shots in all of film history. Uh, and that is the restaurant scene in The Godfather. Mm. So Michael, this is when he shoots. Uh, well, I, don't, I can't think of his name, but the cop, the cop, and then the, the like the mob boss, Jimmy. <laughs> um, so you, this is a push in, a push in mm. shot. And the thing that I I realize, and I think why it works so well, and why it it really solidified itself after going back and rewatching it is the, the beautiful, the beautiful poetry of this is there's the scene where he's at their, their little, their house basically. And he's explaining what he's going to do. And he's explaining if there's, if there's a way that we can maybe get a gun at this restaurant, you know, it's gotta be in a public place. And if there's possibly a way that that we can get a gun in this restaurant without them seeing and uh, and then I can go excuse myself, go to the bathroom, grab the gun and then come back and shoot them at the table. Mm-hmm. While he's explaining that's in t- that entire plot and like how he's going to do it, the camera is slowly pushing in until it gets up real, real close and it's just him in the frame. And then he finally and he finishes what he's saying. And then he actually goes to the restaurant and they're sitting at the restaurant. He excuses himself. He goes to the bathroom. He grabs the gun and he comes back. And you could tell that he's so nervous, and, mm-hmm. he, and his eyes are darting all over, you know, darting all over the place. And 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 he's thinking, and he's building up the courage, and he's building up the rage because you can feel it. And while he's thinking that, the camera starts pushing in very, very slowly, and it's just going on Al Pacino's face, and his face is all fucked up because he got beat up, mm-hmm. and 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 he's and it's just pushing in, and it's. It's a sister shot to the original shot of him explaining what he's going to do and then actually executing and using those two shots, you know, parallel to one another. It's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. And then, of course, he, he shoots them both in the face. And, uh, <laughs> Spoilers! <laughs> and If you haven't seen it by now, you're never going to see it. Uh, and it's incredible. It really, really is. I loved I loved how, it, how that shot was calling back to the the conception of the idea and then the actual execution of the idea, no pun intended because execution, but uh, it was beautiful mm-hmm. and, and it absolutely had to be in my list. Nice. 
We should do The Godfather at some point. It's just, I'm surprised we haven't. It's that so too. long. Well, yeah, it's like three hours. And then we got to do Godfather Part Two because that's yeah, that's you know. And then we don't have to do Godfather Godfather Part Three. Well, the thing is, apparently, I mean, I saw that they they recut it. Francis Ford Coppola yes, did a recut of it, that. and apparently, it's much better. Well, that's the same. Thing but for, you thing is, I don't care how much you how much you re-edit that thing. Your daughter Sofia Coppola can't act for her fucking life, <laughs> and she's awful in that movie. Mm-hmm. So I don't know unless they just completely edit cut her, her out of the yeah. film. <laughs> well, it's like the same thing with like um, Sam Raimi's like Spider Man Three. Apparently, they did a recut. They added a bunch of shit. My brother oh, I didn't know that. They brother. My brother says it's a. It's actually good. Oh, I didn't know that. And That's I'm like, interesting. I oh, see that. Yeah, it's on Amazon. Wow. Okay. Um, you just gotta look for like the the unedited cut. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, back to this, I guess. So. My next one is a pan shot. Um, pan shot! Pan shot! <laughs> <laughs> so, it is from the movie Taxi Driver. It I is, have heard of this film. I know. <laughs> it's the I'm, one, I'm familiar. It's the one about buses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is a scene when Travis is on the phone with, I forget her name, like Betsy, Betty, something like that. Betty Boop. Yeah, trying to get like a date and... You can literally feel where it's like, he's like, hey, I want to take you out to eat. And then it pauses for a second and it's like, well, how about coffee then? And it just continues where it's like, well, maybe I can like come and see you like at, at the, the the place. Like <laughs> the play, the fucking Zach's acting one oh one. Yeah, maybe I can come see you at your office. Maybe, maybe we can like the place. Yeah, the place. <laughs> um, and once it hits that point. The camera slowly pans over to where you're watching him like on one of the payphones, and then it slowly pans over to the hallway of the door, and you're almost waiting for something to happen where it's like somebody's gonna come through there or like something's gonna happen from there. Yeah. And it doesn't. You just keep getting him on the phone trying to get this girl to go out with him. Yeah. And she's obviously not into it anymore. And it was this really cool shot where it's like, with that pan shot, it made it feel like the camera and the cameraman gave up on the conversation before he did. <laughs> it made it feel like Travis just can't take a hint that he he lost. Like, this girl wants nothing to do with him anymore. Yeah. And he's trying too hard. And the camera is almost looking for something else to do. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm embarrassed for you. Yeah. Let's just like move on with the scene. <laughs> Until finally he hangs up the phone and walks into frame and out the door. Yeah. And it was such a great shot. Obviously, Taxi Driver is such a good movie. But like, that's that's a shot that like while doing the research for this, I didn't even realize how important and how cool that shot was. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, doing this, doing all this research, I was like, wow, this is all so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. I'm glad that we did this. Uh, so I have one more. Do you have one more or was that your last one? I have I have one more and then I have um, honorable, honorable mentions. mentions. Right? Okay, so my last one is, ironically, a static shot. Mm. So lack of movement, no movement at all. Mm-hmm. And by far one of the most powerful shots I've seen is, I don't know if you've ever seen the film. Uh, I'm talking about tw- 12 Years of Slave. I've heard of it. And, I haven't seen it. And I'm talking about the lynching of Solomon. So, if you haven't seen the mo- movie, Solomon is your protagonist. And it gets to a point where, obviously, he is lynched. But he's not... He, he's lynched to a... Where... He's lynched in a, in a way in which he's not actually 
hanging. He, mm-hmm. He's able to have his tippy toes on the ground. And the shot is him off to the right-hand side of the screen. And then over to the left-hand side of the screen is just an open field, a house being built, people walking and just doing their thing. And then over on the right-hand screen is literally this man trying to fight for his life. (laughs) And it is the static shot of just holding on that scene, just saying like, no, you're going to watch this and you can't look away from this horror that is, that is happening is so powerful. And it's so heartbreaking because you want to look away as an audience member. You're like, I cannot watch this anymore. Please, please, please cut to something else. Turn this camera. I don't want to see this anymore. Mm -hmm. And the filmmaker says, no, you're going to watch this. (laughs) You're going to watch this Mm -hmm. because you're going to like it. Well, it's just, (laughs) this is what our history is. And this is, this is what happened in America. Yeah. And you're not going to look away from it. We're not glorifying it. We're just showing you, this is what happened and you need to, come to terms with that so the lack of movement in that shot is in my opinion brilliant and forces you as the audience member to come face to face with horrible atrocities that happened Mm -hmm. it's a great it's a really good movie it's a hard movie to watch but it's a very very powerful scene and i can't recommend that scene enough Alrighty then well, Sorry to end on such mine a heavy feels note. a little underwhelming. <laughs> um, my last one is what I think is probably my favorite type of shot: the pan out. I think with me, like I just like it a lot more because it's literally designed to give you more information about what's going on in the scene. Um, and there is one scene in particular that really doesn't tell you a lot, but does at the same time. And that's Stanley Kubrick's Clockwork Orange when you get introduced to the gang, really, and you get that immediate shot up close of Anthony Hopkins' character. No, not Anthony Hopkins. Um, Michael... I, I don't know. His, I can't remember his name. I just call him Dr. Loomis because in the in the Rob Zombie ones, he played Dr. Loomis. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so him, like, the close-up shot of him drinking the milk, the, the iconic, like, eyeliner yeah. just right down... And it slowly pans out to the entirety of the club that they're sitting at. And the craziness and like all the milk and all the women that are furniture and the rest of the crew that is just sitting there waiting for a fight. And it's just a scene that sets you up for like who these people are. Because it's, it's, it's pure chaos. Yes. But it's like controlled chaos Mm -hmm. in a, in a way because there's nothing actually happening. No. But there's not even anybody really moving. No, no, no. And that's the thing, right? There's nothing happening, but yet it feels so chaotic. Mm-hmm. It's because I, I think, yeah, a Clockwork Orange takes place like in the future. That's why yeah. like all the furniture is so strange. It's like and a dystopian weird. era, like in like future setting. Yeah. So it, it, it is. It's an iconic. It's an iconic. Uh, that's just an iconic scene. Yeah. That 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 pull away shot is mm-hmm. really, really great. That I whole mean, movie. I mean, just Kubrick in general. Mm-hmm. Everything he does. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, a few times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the greatest directors ever. Probably the greatest director mm-hmm. ever. So you have you... some honor. Well, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I have honorable mentions. I'm surprised you didn't mention anything about 2001. So I was going to mention 2001, uh, but I just wanted to dig a little bit deeper mm-hmm. in like films maybe that were 
I don't know. I wanted to just dig in with like not generic, sh- I guess, films. I mean, of course, like we can come back and do another. Like this isn't just this isn't like our definitive. Like you know, yeah. like these are our favorite shots. I like, don't feel like this is my favorite shots. Right? Yeah, yeah, but... exactly. So like we can come back and do this again and talk about more films and more and more shots and more movies. Of course, then maybe I would because there obviously are so many more. There's so many great ones. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I did look into 2001 and I was watching it. I mean, one of my favorite scenes ever is when Frank dies and he's fucking floating in space mm-hmm. uh, and just following. It's just, it's incredible. So, I mean, and then of course, when uh, what's his name is walking down the hallway and you're pushing in with him. It, I was even that, thinking that tracking shot is great. I was even thinking about like running and like the entire thing itself. Yeah. Is that's, that's really cool. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, 2001 is just a feast for the eyes. Yeah. Always. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, again, I wouldn't be opposed to doing, you know, another, another version of this at some point and just, and then, you know, incorporating different films Mm -hmm. all right uh so honorable mentions then um so i don't know if it truly truly counts but like from birdman where it's all just one continuous shot yeah and mainly same as 1917 Mm -hmm. edited edited to look like one continuous shot yeah which we still haven't seen i've well i've seen it i've we didn't well then i didn't see it no you haven't (laughs) why haven't i (laughs) i've seen it like three times god damn it um mainly like when he gets like stuck like outside in the robe and just does the one continuous shot trying to get back inside. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Um, Hereditary, the one scene where Tony Collette's character is going into the apartment to find like the uh, the one person that she met, and the camera literally does like a full loop, and then you're on the ceiling with her. Yeah. Um, and then of course one of our favorites, Evil Dead, the the be all and all deadite following Ash. Yeah. Is a very complex kind of like whip pan but like following but like also a, a a pan in shot yeah it it just looks gritty and like knowing these technical terms now it's a mixture of like four different ways right when it's literally just following someone yeah cool nice excellent good we times. did it guys thanks for thanks for uh listening i guess or don't i don't care whatever <laughs> just kidding i like i love you um, okay, I have a uh, I have a recommendation. Mm-hmm. I'm off my medication. Uh, <laughs> I recommend taking your medication. Uh, so I am still on this uh, one book a month kick. Mm-hmm. I'm trying and starting off 2022 with another book. Green eggs and ham. No, <laughs> uh, but it does have the word green in it. Ooh. And that is a book from none other than one of my favorite people on the planet. Matthew McConaughey wrote a book. <laughs> I love Matthew really? McConaughey. Uh, He's okay. No, I love Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, he wrote a book called Green Lights. And it's sort of like a memoir. It's, it's a man who's hit like his midway point in life. And just telling these really, really funny, endearing, introspective stories and things that he's learned along the way. Um, and just, it's just a really fun read. It's not like, it's, it's only like 300 pages, I think. So it's nothing crazy. And um, you just have, in my, and while I'm reading it, I'm just, I have Matthew McConaughey's voice in my head. And mm-hmm. it's just like, he's got such a way with words and, and he uses like his slang. It's not. It's all not right, like the right, most. Right. It's not the most like grammatically correct mm-hmm. uh, book because he's 
he's writing in the way that he would speak because he's just like a good old Southern boy. And, <laughs> and it feels like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my I've, friends call me mud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've learned a lot from, from it. And, and I've learned a lot about him and things that I was completely not expecting to take away from the book and things that I, I was shocked. And, and, and it, the book is literally making me laugh and I have to stop because I'm like, I need to just absorb that for a minute. It's, it's not, it's not often that like that a book does that. Um, so yeah, I, re- I recommend Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. I think it's a, I think it's worth reading. Uh, plus, you know, it's sort of movie related because he's an actor. Yeah. So, uh, I recommend it. Mm-hmm. And he was in Dazed and Confused. He was in that. Um, okay. So next movie. A24. Yay. Coming back. Uh, I recently watched this movie and honestly, I need to, I need to rewatch it. That's why I want to do it because mm-hmm. I need to like fully absorb what, what I just saw. Uh, and that is a movie that came out in 2021 called The Humans. It oh, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I thought this was a show. It's based off... I mean, there might be a show called that, mm-hmm. but it's based off of a play, I think. And I was completely enthralled by the film. This well, is all I'm going to say. I'm going to... I want to leave it as that, at that. Okay. Um, I think I know what this is. It's inter- it's very you want to talk about like different it's not different in a way where it's like oh my god this is this is incredible but mm-hmm. it's definitely not a typical movie. Okay. Uh I really enjoyed it a lot. I thought you were going to say come on come on. No. That just came out. No no no, I'm not I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah. <laughs> not I, ready I'm, to I'm see Joaquin really mixed cry. things about it. Uh, it's I've heard it like the 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 critics are saying it's great. Audience is like it's the most boring movie I've ever seen in my life. So I don't know. <laughs> so we might love it. Yeah, so who knows. But uh the humans, mm-hmm. a that came out in twenty twenty one. Look forward to that. Zachary, take us out. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Now, Frank, roll the credits. <laughs>